you're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. In this Young ClergyCon bonus episode, Reverend Megan Pardue speaks a challenging word calling us back to our denominational roots. For more compelling content like this from this year's conference, join us at youngclergy.net. There you'll find member resources, digital downloads, and lots more to come. Thanks for all you do for young pastors, and thanks for tuning in. John chapter 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. Jesus said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew. And Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and the prophets, Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathanael responded, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? God, it is with humility that I stand here to bring your word to these pastors. God, give us your hope. Give us your dreams as followers of Jesus the Nazarene. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O oh God our rock, and our redeemer. In the name of Jesus, we say together, Amen. Follow me. Follow me. You've heard these words before. Not only because you know this story, or the other stories of the calling of the disciples, but also because once, maybe twice, maybe a hundred times when you weren't expecting it, Jesus interrupted your plans. Jesus stopped you in your tracks, saying to you and saying to me, Follow me. John describes the calling of these disciples like a kind of contagious chain reaction. 
First, just before what we read, two disciples heard John the Baptist testify that Jesus was, in fact, the Lamb of God. And so they followed him. One of these two was Andrew, who immediately found his brother Peter, who also followed Jesus. The next day, Jesus wanted to go into Galilee, and there he saw Philip and repeated once again these irresistible words, follow me. And Philip was persuaded. Immediately, Philip began to look for Nathaniel, desperate to tell him who he's met. Nathaniel, you are not going to believe this. We have found the one Moses wrote about in the Law and the Prophets. You know the one I'm talking about. His name is Jesus. He's Joseph's son. And, and I'm not kidding. Joseph's son from Nazareth. Nathaniel responds in doubt, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Anything at all? Have you been there? Of course, we know that though Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth. We don't know much about this little town called Nazareth outside of what was written in Scripture. Nazareth was a place that was so insignificant, no one bothered to write down anything about it. <laughs> the town was economically depressed, likely less than 500 people lived there. It was plagued by high unemployment rates, most of its residents receiving Medicaid and food stamps. Not only was Nazareth unappealing and insignificant, no one had been expecting that the Messiah would come from Nazareth. Nazareth isn't mentioned in any of the Messianic prophecies. It wasn't a place anyone would bother to look or expect to find anything worthwhile. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel scoffed at Philip, assuming the obvious answer to the question was no. Of course, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Strangely, Philip doesn't try to persuade Nathaniel. He doesn't argue with him or make a case about how he's right. He simply offers an invitation. Come and see. Just come with me. Meet him and make up your own mind. Come and see. If you are like me, I've typically associated the birth of our church in Los Angeles with this guy. Can we put his picture up on the screen? Who is this? Okay, if you can't answer that question, you should maybe not be here. <laughs> okay. However, Brzee wasn't alone in this work. He had a close friend by his side. This guy, does anyone know this guy's name? Whitney. Whitney. J.P. Whitney. 
In case it's been a few years since you took history and polity, for me it's been over 10, will you just bear with me for a few moments? J.P. Whitney was a really interesting guy. He was very well educated, a lay leader and pastor, a doctor and an activist in Los Angeles. He served as the second president of the University of Southern California. In his lifetime, he wrote about controversial things such as race, suggesting reparations, that the United States make reparations for slavery to African Americans. He advocated for the poor in Los Angeles to have access to health care. And along with Brzee, he was really fed up with the poor folks in his community not having a church to call their own. Not having a church to come just as they are. On the day that Los Angeles First Church of the Nazarene organized in 1895, it was actually Whitley, not Brzee, who preached the sermon on this historic occasion. He preached on the calling of the disciples. And Jesus' words, follow me. He explained in his sermon that there had to be a new church, a different church, because the methods and structures of the other churches in their community had hindered the work of evangelizing the poor. And then finally, at the end of his sermon, he moved to where they got this name, Church of the Nazarene. Can we put the next slide up? Telling a story from his own experience, he explained that after he'd spent the whole night in prayer, the word came to him at dawn. Nazarene. Whitney said that the name symbolized the toiling, lowly mission of Christ. It was, he said, the name which was used in derision of him, Jesus, by his enemies meaning the name that people used to mock him. He said further that Nazarene was the name which above all others linked Jesus to the great toiling, struggling, sorrowing heart of the world. It is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, to whom the world in its misery and despair turns, that they may have hope. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The founders of our church heard Jesus calling, follow me, and they heard Philip's invitation, come and see. And they answered enthusiastically, yes, something good can come out of Nazareth. The name Nazarene encapsulated all of this identity and calling. As Verzee so famously said at the first board meeting of the LA First Church, we have this on a slide, the field of labor to which we are called 
is in the neglected quarters of the city. And wherever else may be found waste places and souls seeking pardon and cleansing from sin. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes. Come and see. For the last 98 years, we have chosen to call ourselves the Church of the Nazarene. We could have dropped Nazarene when we dropped Pentecostal from our name, but we stuck with it then, and we stick with it now. But at some point in the North American church, in the last hundred years, the North American Church of the Nazarene, it seems we stopped believing that the answer to the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth, was yes. We stopped believing that the answer was yes. It was really messy to say yes over and over again. It convoluted a clear list of things that you do and you don't do in order to live the sanctified life. It made our churches look like a disaster compared to other denominations with their pristine choreographed services. Plus, I mean, the financial sustainability. You can imagine. What a struggle to keep the lights on with the pews primarily filled with people who are poor and have little money to give. At some point, we, like Nathaniel, doubted that anything good could come out of Nazareth. So we neglected our name, and we took matters into our own hands. In the city where I pastor, for example, Durham First Church of the Nazarene decided to move away from Avondale Avenue, a location that was easily walkable from the apartment complexes surrounding the church, with a bus stop across the street. After all, their economically depressed neighborhood was plagued by high unemployment rates, most of its residents living on Medicaid and food stamps. So they moved the church to the safety of the suburbs on Irwin Road, where their neighbors had Cars, two-car garages to put their cars in, jobs, and 401ks. At some point, we traded in our alcoholics and addicts for the sanctified, well-dressed families of five 
who in many cases don't even know a person who drinks alcohol, let alone a person struggling with addiction or in recovery. We acted as if guilty by association is a category that God operates with. And then there was the field of dreams debacle. If we build it, they will come. If we build it, they will come. Capital campaigns drained and drain our churches of resources. As if the answer to the empty pews is more, bigger, better, newer. The primitive simplicity of early Nazarene churches disappeared, becoming multi-site campuses with coffee carts, high-resolution projectors, and a welcome booth with gifts for first-time visitors. In desperation, or maybe due to a lack of creativity, we substituted evangelism, the sharing of the gospel and making disciples, for the much more easily measurable and quantifiable church growth trajectory. Church growth trainings and strategies are packaged up and sold. You can buy and then follow the 10 steps to turning your church around. As if what the church needs to say alive is the same as that of a struggling business. When did follow me cease to be enough? At some point, we exchanged the preservation of our name, Nazarene, for the preservation of our distinctive doctrine. So that when you and I went to our licensing and ordination interviews, the question we stressed about, talked about hundreds of times, lost sleep over, was not how is your ministry being faithful to our name following Jesus the Nazarene, but how would you explain the doctrine of? <laughs> if we are going to keep calling ourselves Nazarene, then it's about time that started to look like the toiling mission of Jesus Christ. As he said, it is Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, to whom the world in its misery and despair turns, that it may have hope. What is our future if we forget our name? What is our future if we forget the field of labor to which we are called? What is our future if we don't answer, yes, something good can come out of Nazareth? It didn't take much to persuade Nathaniel. Philip's invitation, it was enough. Come and see Jesus the Nazarene. Come and see our brothers and sisters doing the toiling, lowly work of Jesus. Come and see the 
sanctuary in San Diego's East Village at Living Water Church of the Nazarene. To some, this sanctuary might appear like a cluttered warehouse with one shared dingy bathroom. But for those who lay their head on the concrete each night, this is a daytime respite, a place of sanctuary, of safety, where looking and appearing homeless isn't a crime. Come and see the tiny church of 10 or 15 Nazarenes in Laurenburg, North Carolina, a town so insignificant that no one bothers to write about it, let alone visit it. This little blue church without a website or the money to pay a pastor feeds 240 families in their community every single week. Come and see members of Tapestry Church of the Nazarene. March in the streets of Raleigh after another black man is killed by police in their community. Jesus the Nazarene marched in the streets, protesting violence, riding a donkey into the city, not a horse, carrying nothing but a towel for washing people's feet. And so they follow in Jesus' footsteps, carrying not palms, but signs, demanding God's justice be done and weeping as they look across their city. Come and see the men of color locked up in our U.S. prisons, whose cells were reserved for them the day they failed third grade. They know Jesus as I will never know him, sharing in his suffering as criminals without representation, stripped naked of their own clothes and dignity, like our criminal Lord. Come and see with me the dream for another kind of district assembly, where the reporting we practice looks less like keeping score at a baseball game and more like the holding each other accountable to this question, in what ways is your ministry being faithful to our name, Nazarene? Come and see Jesus of Nazareth, who chose a group of uneducated working class fishermen to be his disciples. Jesus, the one who made really bad networking choices, <laughs> who broke all the rules, got himself kicked out of his home church after one single sermon. <laughs> Jesus touched people with contagious diseases, challenged the ways things have always been, made all of the denominational and political leaders angry because he just wouldn't shut up. Jesus the Nazarene who died a death reserved for fools until God showed death 
who the real fool is. Yes, something good can come out of Nazareth.